My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Leanne Tessier and Judy Haven. In 1998, Leanne Tessier became a volunteer firefighter with the Halifax Regional Municipality's Fire and Emergency Services. She loved the work and described herself in those years as a go-getter. She competed nationally and internationally as part of their combat challenge team, had several advanced certifications related to the work, taught within the fire service, and reached the rank of captain. Starting in 2004, her experience of working in the fire service began to change significantly. She began to be the target of sexist workplace harassment and gender discrimination. A job she had loved became a source of stress and misery. Despite how invested she was in the work, the anxiety and depression caused by these experiences resulted in her going on leave in early 2007, and she never had the opportunity to go back. In 2006, she had filed an internal complaint with the fire service regarding the discrimination and harassment. That began a grueling 12-year odyssey to find justice. After her internal complaint went nowhere, she filed a complaint with the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission in 2007. Her file was passed from hand to hand multiple times, and long stretches passed with little evidence that it was being dealt with. A decision to dismiss the complaint was finally issued by the Commission in 2012. She filed for a judicial review of that decision in the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia. In 2013, the court ruled in her favor and ordered the Human Rights Commission to reopen her case. Another long and difficult process ensued, and it was only in late 2017 that she reached a mediated settlement with Halifax and the Fire Service that included financial compensation, a formal apology and admission of gender discrimination, and a commitment to policy changes. For Tessier, this was often a difficult and lonely journey, but along the way, she met an important source of support. Judy Haven, a retired professor from the business school at St. Mary's University in Halifax who taught industrial relations. Around the time that Tessier's settlement was announced, they decided to launch a new organization called Equity Watch. The group's goal is to fight bullying, harassment, and discrimination in workplaces. They support people who are seeking justice in the face of such experiences, and they push for changes in law and policy. Many of their active members are themselves embroiled in such struggles. Having a place to go where other people understand the experience is itself an important source of support, according to Tessier. There are also lawyers who participate in the group. These lawyers are not in a position to go to court for group members, but they can provide certain kinds of advice and support. They have law students doing pro bono work with the group. They've also become quite good at strategically using media events to put pressure on employers and regulators to behave more justly in specific cases. Judging by the many cases that they have heard about in the last two years, Tessier and Haven say that discriminatory harassment and bullying, particularly of women of all racial backgrounds, remains rampant in workplaces across Nova Scotia. 
Along with supporting individuals, they want to see major employers make policy changes that show that they are taking racism, sexism, and harassment seriously, including major public sector employers. They're not shying away from demanding a change in how unions deal with harassment and bullying, particularly in situations where both the perpetrators and the target are union members. They're demanding politicians speak out about the issue, and they're working to build support for strengthening Nova Scotia's human rights legislation. I speak with Tessier and Haven about the details of Tessier's case and about the work of Equity Watch to fight workplace-based sexism, racism, discrimination, and harassment. I'm Leanne Tessier. I was a firefighter for 12 years. At the same time, I was a stevedore down on Halifax waterfront. My name is Judy Haven. I'm a retired university professor from St. Mary's University from the Sobe School of Business. I taught industrial relations in the business school. I'm also on the steering committee and with Leanne, one of the founders of Equity Watch. Equity Watch is an organization which is dedicated to fighting racism, sexism, various kinds of discrimination and bullying in the workplace. We're an organization that's not affiliated to any government or to any union. We're an independent group that tries to get justice for people who've been discriminated against and bullied in the workplace. So, Leanne, from what I understand, Equity Watch got its start at about the same moment as your individual case was resolved. So maybe start by walking listeners through your case. Well, I entered the fire service back around 2000. I was a go-getter. I was part of the combat challenge team, which is kind of an obstacle course for firefighters. I competed nationally and internationally and did quite well for five years. I also taught within the fire service. I pretty much did everything there was to do to further myself as a firefighter. I love the fire service. It was about 2005 when the harassment started. Although it had shown up years earlier with a lot of rumors and gossip about me that I was unaware of at the time. And it just sort of grew. 2006, 2007, I tried to deal with it internally within the Halifax Fire Service and they ignored me and did nothing. And so eventually I had to go to the Human Rights Commission, which did nothing for me as well and left me hanging for about five years where they did virtually nothing on my case. I went through seven different human rights officers and nothing seemed to be happening. Eventually, I guess they just got tired of passing my file from one office to another and they just dismissed it without cause. And so I was devastated. So my only recourse was to file for judicial review, which I did. It was very hard. I went through 10 to 15 different lawyers asking for support to take on this case because I knew I had a case finally found a lawyer to take on the case, which took another two years or so for us to file and then have it go to Nova Scotia Supreme Court, where I eventually did win my judicial review. And the commission was forced to redo my case, which took another number of years to redo it. And eventually it got forward to a board of inquiry. From there, it was still another two years of battle trying to find other women to speak out. I ended up, it didn't go to a board of inquiry, I ended up settling with the city. In total, it took about 12 years. It was a solitary battle for most of it. You're on your own. Other women are afraid to come forward and speak out. There had been gender discrimination and harassment going on ever since the, you know, first woman got hired down there, which I think we're looking back at 25, 28 years ago. 
women along the way had tried to speak out about the harassment and got shut down. So it's just a battle. Women are afraid. You get isolated by other co-workers, by women themselves who are angry at you. Some are afraid to socialize with you. It just became a full-time job trying to find legal support. It's hard to describe how hellish it was. One of the things is that Leanne, despite winning these challenges and being a first-rate firefighter, was never allowed to be in the full-time firefighter retinue. In other words, she was considered casual. She was called a volunteer firefighter, which means that she didn't get any pension and she didn't get any benefits and she didn't get the great rate of pay that the professional firefighters who are represented by a large union get. Maybe a dozen firefighters did absolutely pernicious, horrifying things to her. And of that 10 or a dozen, over half have been promoted. Leanne not only never got a promotion, but she's out of a job. She's out of a job that she trained for, that she was good at, excellent at, that she loved, that would have given her a very secure future. She, in other words, had to take a lesser job. Now, I'm not saying it was lesser necessarily in pay, but a job that didn't have the same meaning or resonance as working for the fire service. Yet these men have been promoted, many of them. What happened with her was that when she took this matter forward, Of course, she had been deprived of years of support, years of help, years of financial advancement, years of any opportunities to make her a senior firefighter or any of those kinds of things, and of course, no pension. So she came out of this thing where she won absolutely everything in the settlement, and what she won that was the biggest thing was the chance to speak about it and there to be no gag order. Very few people have the nerve to push for this kind of a settlement. Not only did she win back wages in a settlement, but she also won in that there had to be a public apology, both by the city, by the Human Rights Commission, and by the fire chief, a public apology to her that was all over the news and it went across the country. And not only that, they had to agree to eight or so terms that she worked out about things to try and advance women in the fire service. And our biggest regret right now is that Equity Watch, we're having to expose the fact that the fire service, we don't believe, has acted on any of those eight things. And the big thing, too, is that they had to admit and acknowledge systemic gender discrimination, which they had been hiding and denying for decades. There was also a black firefighters group that managed to get a settlement from the fire service back in 2013-14. I don't know what the settlement was. It was private, of course. They always are in this province. But the black firefighters also had a problem with management. Just recently, I heard from some of them that, again, they had some policy changes. They wanted changes made. But even how many years later now, 2019, they're still not happy with what happened with their apology and their changes that they wanted. So one of the features of your case is that not only did you have these problems with the fire service, but the provincial human rights process that's supposed to be a way to find justice also didn't work very well for you. What are the problems that you see in how that process works? Oh, God. That's legion. To give you some idea, about six months ago now, another woman firefighter, but she was a professional in the sense she was in the union. Her name was Kathy Simmington. And she was in the union and she has fought a battle with the Human Rights Commission to take her sex discrimination and also her disability based on health case forward. And they refused and refused and they refused to speak to her, this other woman. 
And what we decided in Equity Watch was to have a picket line in front of the Human Rights Commission here, right on the main street on Spring Garden Road, where the Human Rights Commission is located. And we had signs up and all our signs said was Human Rights Commission, do your job. And that afternoon or the next morning, they phoned Symington to say, okay, we're taking your case. That gives you the idea that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And now they're taking her case to tribunal. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but it's because we're doing things to embarrass and humiliate the Human Rights Commission, which here has two things going against it. The first thing is poor legislation. It's a poor human rights legislation in this province. It's like the junior brother of what goes on in Ontario. The legislation isn't good. And then, of course, the other problem is the Human Rights Commission is all but in disarray at all times. They've had house cleaning after house cleaning. They've fired people. They've fired legal counsel. They've fired investigators. And to give you some idea, in the last year, more than 2,200 people made complaints to the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission. And I think they settled in some way, shape or form, 92 cases. Tell me about the founding of Equity Watch. I didn't want to settle. I wanted to go to trial and I was in need of support and help and came across Judy who helped me a great deal through the whole process. It was Judy's idea to have this Equity Watch Committee so that we could, you know, help people get through this sort of ordeal and not only support people, but to help change the way these workplaces treat their employees and to out organizations like Halifax Regional Municipality and the Human Rights Commission. And it just seemed like a perfect stepping stone right after my case. We wanted to start an organization so that Leanne's case wouldn't go to waste because people thought Leanne was larger than life. She was a well-recognized person in this community and her case had got a lot of national and local press. But in order to push things further for people other than her, we decided to start a committee which would start actually watching what institutions and major employers were doing to prevent discrimination, bullying, and harassment on the job. And so what we narrowed our focus down to after some research and discussion and meeting with people is Halifax Regional Municipality. We have literally dozens and dozens of people who now have cases, whether it's human rights or the Labor Relations Board or different venues, and they're trying to get justice. Another bad employer is the province here, believe it or not, and it's also unionized. Another bad employer that we've had some dealings with lately is Irving Shipyards. We have a couple of women at Irving Shipyards who have suffered discrimination based on their marital status. The two women are married to one another. We have cases all around the province. People contact us at smaller employers as well. But some of the larger ones, Sobeys, Lawton, you name it, and we've had people who have had valid complaints. What we're trying to do in Equity Watch now is we are trying to put the employers on alert that we're watching them and making sure they agree to the rules and the laws. And many employers are getting a little shaky now. What are the day-to-day and month-to-month activities of Equity Watch like? Well, we have monthly meetings, and that's very useful. And our monthly meetings are held in a public space, our brand-new library here. We often rent a room there on a weekday in the evening, and we have presenters. 
So in March, we're going to be having a meeting based on racism, free transit, a new group in town to try and educate our members about the fact that there's racial issues happening at Halifax Transit, both with the people who work there. Some of the racialized people have been treated badly, but also many people, the public that take buses are often discriminated against or called names or something like that while on buses. So we have different speakers that come every month to try and make people more aware of what's going on. That's one of the things that happens. And many press conferences. Many, yeah. Our press conferences are <laughs> are sometimes very useful as well because with press conferences, quite often we get employers all but the next day to reverse their position. As soon as we put their names out there, as soon as we have people speak, the employers just say, okay, okay, we're going to do it. And we also help people cope with things Some of us have a lot of knowledge of the trade union movement, and we know all the actors around here. And quite often we can intercede if we see that there's a union maybe not doing what it could be doing. We can ask the union to step up, or we can suggest that the person go to their union and ask for help. Part of our problem here is not everything that people suffer, especially women in the workforce, is because of managers. It could be co-workers harassing a person, as was the case with Leanne, actually, in some of the instances. And this is very difficult for unions. Unions are used to dealing with grievances against the bosses, but there's no mechanism for fighting the fight against co-workers. One of the major unions, actually, here has agreed to try and work with us more. In general terms, who are the participants in Equity Watch? We have people from many walks of life. We have several lawyers who volunteer their services, and that's very good for us because lawyers are extremely expensive. And while these people, these lawyers, don't necessarily go to court for any of our members, they do provide a level of advice that we couldn't give them easily. Most of the people on our mailing list and the 400 on our Facebook list are women. Because we've seen that women generally are bearing the brunt of bullying and discrimination in the workforce, for whatever reason, they are. And quite a few of them are people who are long-standing employees. We also have people who are students. We have three or four law students who are doing pro bono work with us. In other words, they help us put together cases And they help write letters on behalf of some of the workers who maybe can't write letters easily themselves to the powerful. So we have one case, for instance, of a man who's about 42 who works for a small employer here in town, here in Halifax. And he was fired because he had to have a medical operation. And that's against the Human Rights Act. You can't fire people because they need an operation. But he was fired. So one of our pro bono students helped me write a letter to the Human Rights Commission to appeal a decision and to demand there be a board of inquiry. We're still waiting. But that's the kind of thing that our law students can help us do. They can also help with research. Based on the people you've met in the course of doing this work, what's your sense of the scope and shape of the problem? As in, what kinds of harassment and bullying are prevalent? What kinds of workplaces is it most likely to happen in? That kind of thing. Like Judy was saying, it's mainly a lot of women being harassed, bullied. A lot of women in these male-dominated workplaces are at risk. It's difficult. There's still a lot of men, a lot of negative systemic attitudes towards women in, you know, firefighting and policing that we can't do the job. 
And that's really the hardest part is changing these guys' opinions, you know, that we're able, we're capable, that we can do the job. And we've been demonstrating it for decades that we can do the job. A lot of people that come to these meetings think that they're alone. You know, they're suffering, they're getting attacked, they're getting gossiped about. And when you realize the sort of same ugly tactics that happened to me happens, you know, to a lot of women and a lot of people, somehow you feel a little better because you don't think it's just you that's going through the hell. So people feel a little bit better coming to it. You're not alone. I mean, part of the reason why I love this group is because I wish I had a group years ago when I was fighting alone and had nowhere to go. I would have loved to have had the support. So Equity Watch offers that for people who are going through this stuff now. Your listeners will find interesting is this. We have a longtime city councillor here called Russell Walker, and he represents one of the suburban districts in the city. And Russell Walker last week or 10 days ago came out with this unbelievable quotation, which I don't have in front of me. As reported by local media, Councillor Walker suggested that gender equity in positions like firefighters, laborers, bus drivers, and police may never happen because women, quote, may not want to work at those jobs, end quote, and, quote, it's not their thing, end quote. But as far as I can remember, it said that maybe women aren't suited to work in the fire service or in the police because women just don't like to do that kind of work. And Leanne made a very good rejoinder to it when she was interviewed about it. But this man, with impunity, can say these things, a city councillor can say these things, when the statistics are that fewer than 23% or something, fewer than 30% anyway, of police officers are women, and fewer than 15%, I think, of firefighters are women. I'd have to look up the figures to tell you exactly, but a report just came out of the city about how few women were in male-dominated jobs. Russell Walker's approach to it is, oh, yeah, well, that's because they don't like doing those jobs. Well, that's absolutely not true. But his attitude is so typical and so scurrilous that now we're in a situation where we now realize what we're really up against. What are the key policy or regulatory or legal changes that Equity Watch wants to see to begin addressing some of these problems? There has to be input to changing the Human Rights Act in this province, which is quite weak. There has to be more input into trying to get the investigators to do their job and to go after the cases. There has to be some way to move cases along and have people address the discrimination that goes on in the workplace that doesn't mean that somebody has to sue their employer or somebody has to spend gazillions of dollars like, in fact, Leanne had to do. Leanne told you she went through 10 to 15 lawyers to find one lawyer in this city, arguably one of the 10 biggest cities in the country, one lawyer who was willing to take the Human Rights Commission to judicial review. That means taking it to a high court and having a decision overturned. One thing that could change is this. In Ontario, if you win your case to the Human Rights Tribunal, you get your job back. Here you don't. Can you believe it? You never get your job back. It's not on the table. That means that even if you win and you're 35 years old and you can go back to work and you want your job, the answer is it's too bad. So we'd like a change to the act. We want one of the methods of redress to be that people get their jobs back. 
I know that what you have in Ontario is if people have a human rights complaint that has any merit at all, they can go and get legal help for free. The Human Rights Commission offers sort of a legal clinic. I don't know what it's called, but it's something whereby the Human Rights Commission tries to fast track things. There's no such thing here. There's endless cases. Everything's thrown up in the air, which ones they'll take. And the judges have said that it's within the power of the Human Rights Commission to take whatever cases they want and not take other cases. Well, that's not a very good answer. And our problem is the employers have the upper hand in most people's cases. Absolutely. They always have the upper hand. And in a funny way, they even did in the fire service with Leanne, despite the fact they came out looking bad, despite the apology, despite the monetary figure, despite every single thing. Eventually, she's out of the workforce. These guys keep on going. They progress through the ranks. They get more money. They have the prestigious jobs. And Leanne is forced, really, if she wants to earn anything, this is a low-wage ghetto. This province minimum wage is about $11 an hour. And if women want to earn anything, you have to go and try and get a man's job. And that's what's going on on the waterfront where Leanne now works. And that place is also not very nice to women or minorities or anybody else. We just have another person who came forward today who'd like some help dealing with her case. She's also a woman who is working on the waterfront. This situation that we have on our hands, it's as though nothing has moved very effectively from the 1950s when you really get down to it. Yes, we have 50% of the people that go to law school are women. 50% of the people who go through medical school are women. But if you ask any practicing lawyer who's been practicing for more than 10 years, she's going to tell you a story about what happened to her. And I can assure you that men don't have those stories. I can assure you. The same thing with women in medicine, let alone women who have jobs on the waterfront as stevedores or women who have jobs in hospitals as nurses or women who have jobs at city hall as clerks. The bullying seems to be relentless. We'd just like to hear one politician stand up on our behalf. We'd like to hear one politician saying, you know, Equity Watch has a lot going for it. Now, behind closed doors, I think that the NDP here, which is not the opposition, in fact, they say, yeah, you guys are making a few good points. And occasionally we get some help in the sense that when we want to have a press conference at the legislature, sometimes the NDP will agree to sponsor it for us because you need a member of the legislature here in Province House to sponsor you having a press conference at Province House. But overall, most of the politicians are looking to get reelected or elected. They're looking to fight what they consider bigger battles or battles that have more sex appeal or something like that. We're not finding that the political agenda is rolling along with us. Mm, What does Equity Watch have planned over the coming months? Well, we want to win a few more cases. We have about 40 cases outstanding now, and it just takes all of our energy to deal with what's going on. And what we want to do is focus on making changes to the Human Rights Act. We're hoping that maybe the NDP, because it's not the opposition, the opposition here is the Conservatives. They might be interested too, but I don't think so. The NDP might be willing to put forward some of the changes to the Act, maybe in the case that there may be an election coming up in the next couple of years. We'd like to be able to change the Act. We'd like to be able to open it up and to make it more useful. You have been listening to my interview with Leanne Tessier and Judy Haven of the Halifax-based group Equity Watch. To learn more about their work, go to equitywatch.ca.
To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.